Tonight, troubling discovery. Loose bolts found on several Boeing jets after a mid-flight blowout. The missing plane part lands in a teacher's backyard. We found the door plug. Thank you, Bob. And the warnings days before that flight. Calls for accountability four years after Iran shot down a passenger plane. Also, negotiations with Honda to reportedly bring a multi-billion dollar electric vehicle plant to Canada. And liftoff. Plus, a new mission to the moon hits a snag. And historic wins in Hollywood. This is for every little res kid, every little urban kid, every little native kid out there who has a dream. The ups and downs at the Golden Globes. Yeah, that's a tough room. CTV National News with Omar Sachadina. Good evening, everyone. After a terrifying incident midair, Alaska Airlines revealed late tonight that it found loose hardware on other Boeing 737 MAX 9 planes. And it's not the only airline reporting problems. United revealing inspections of its aircraft have found instances of bolts that need tightening in the door plug, the same piece that blew out of the side of an Alaska Airlines MAX 9 on Friday, landing in a teacher's backyard. The 30-kilogram part recovered by the U.S. National Transportation Safety Board today. CTV's Joy Malbin on the investigation and the warning signs. Federal investigators combing through that damaged Alaska airline plane after a large chunk of metal blew off the Boeing 737 MAX 9 while in mid-flight over Oregon. The force strong enough, it ripped open the cockpit door, twisted the seats and tore cell phones from people's hands. A terrifying 26-minute ordeal for passengers on board. I was starting to text my, my girlfriend, my my mom, my other loved ones, and um, didn't know if I was going to make it. All 177 passengers did make it. Friday's near disaster left a gaping hole behind where a refrigerator-sized door plug once was. It ended up in the backyard of a teacher's home. The uh, door plug uh, and said he found it in his backyard. Thank you, Bob. A piece of the puzzle found along with another unexpected discovery a couple of cell phones. I found a phone sitting on the side of the road that uh, had apparently fallen 16,000 feet. So I opened it up and it was an airplane mode with a travel confirmation and baggage claim for Alaska 1282. But what's missing the cockpit voice recorder? Investigators say the audio was erased automatically. And it turns out there were concerns about this plane. Pilots noticed warning lights for cabin pressurization, and it came at least three times in the weeks before. There was a decision by Alaska Airlines that uh, prevented that plane uh, from being flown to Hawaii over uh, water so that it could, if, so, if some light did illuminate, it could return very quickly to an airport. And now another airline, United, since inspecting its Boeing MAX 9 jets, says it has found loose bolts on several of its planes, saying in a statement, we have found instances that appear to relate to installation issues in the door plug, for example, bolts that needed additional tightening. Tonight, Boeing issued a statement saying it's committed to address all safety concerns and regrets the impact that this has had on its customers. 
Omar. All right, Joy, thank you. Brutal winter weather in the U.S. has more than 40 states on alert with new winter storms on the move. Drivers in the U.S. Northeast struggled in the snow with an SUV skidding towards a police cruiser and narrowly missing it. And blizzard conditions to the south, whiteout conditions in Texas and Kansas shut down some highways. And a blast of winter hit B.C.'s lower mainland after months of mild temperatures. Parts of the province inland could get up to 50 centimeters. And parts of Ontario and western Quebec can also expect major storms between 20 to 40 centimeters in the forecast. There was a new tally to the cost of extreme weather today. The Insurance Bureau of Canada says insured damage for severe weather events reached over $3.1 billion in 2023. A large portion of that, $720 million, caused during last summer's wildfires in the Okanagan and Shushwap in British Columbia. Last year was the fourth most expensive weather year. I can feel the heat here. This is insane. 2016 still tops the list. The Fort McMurray wildfires in Alberta contributed to a national toll resulting in nearly $6 billion in damage that year. One of the world's largest automakers is reportedly eyeing Canada to make a multi-billion dollar investment to build electric vehicles following other large manufacturers receiving government subsidies to do the same. Here's CTV's Annie Bergeron-Oliver on the speculation of a major deal. Nearly 40 years after Honda opened its first Canadian plant, the Japanese automaker is reportedly looking at investing more than $18 billion to build its first electric vehicle plant in Canada. They know if we're going to electrify, you need those critical minerals. And the abundance of the critical minerals needed for those batteries are found uh, in Ontario and Quebec in ways in which is not true for anywhere else in North America. Honda currently makes about 400,000 gas-powered cars every year at its plant in Alliston, Ontario, and many are sold in Europe, where demand for electric vehicles is rising. The automaker says in a statement that in order to achieve our 2040 electrification target of 100% electrified vehicles, we are considering various options to increase local production capacity. The prospect of a new EV plant in Canada has federal government officials talking to representatives from Honda. The mayor of Alston and surrounding area says the pitch is simple. You provided thousands and thousands of jobs, thousands of spin-off jobs. Um, we would like to have you here. We want you here. We'll work with you. Last year, Canada and Japan agreed to work more closely on battery supply chains. And since then, Canada set a target of having all new vehicle sales net zero emissions by 2035. To help reach that goal, Ottawa gave Volkswagen and Stellantis worth up to $28.2 billion in subsidies to set up new battery plants in Canada. Both are expected to be up and running within the next three years, but it's estimated they will both have to operate for 20 years before Ottawa makes its money back. It would be a huge win for Canada, but it would be a huge cost as well. Honda is currently spending hundreds of millions of dollars to retool some of its plants in Ohio in preparation for what the company calls the electric era. The industry minister's office says federal government representatives are engaging with Honda, Omar, on an ongoing basis. All right. Thank you. Manitoba is pledging $12 million to improve a highway intersection in the province, the site of one of the deadliest bus crashes in Canadian history. Today, grieving families met with the Premier to discuss options to make the intersection safer, but it could take two years before any of them is implemented. CTV's Manitoba Bureau Chief Joe Makishan reports. 
You'd never know this is where so many died. A Manitoba highway intersection that looks like hundreds of others, but changes are coming. We are going to do the safest thing when it comes to the future of this intersection. It was mid-June when a minibus carrying 25 people crossed from a two-lane provincial highway into the four lanes of the Trans-Canada. 17 died, most of them seniors, mothers and fathers, grandparents. Claudia Zerba, a woman who loved life and lived for her family, was among those killed. My mom was on that bus, I don't know why. So were all those other people. And changes have to come. Police continue to investigate the cause, but today, nearly seven months after the crash, the province is releasing three options to make the intersection safer. A roundabout, a widened median intersection, or R-cut, or reduced conflict intersection. Widely used in the United States, the R-cut prohibits drivers from crossing at the T of the intersection and forces them into a U-turn lane. Traffic lights here are not seen as a safe option. Last summer, just over a month after the bus crash, this intersection was the scene of another terrible accident, a three-vehicle collision that sent three people to hospital seriously injured. After that, the province installed rumble strips near the intersection and new signs. One expert says the safety investigation into the bus collision should be done at a national level, similar to how air and rail accidents are investigated. We're going to learn from it and we're going to... Uh, be in a position to update our laws and regulations in Manitoba and in every other province. For a daughter still trying to understand why the crash happened, Adrian Zerba believes the changes coming will help keep others safe. It does give me some peace of knowing that they're working their hardest to do this. The three options will go to public consultation with a design chosen in six to nine months. Omar. All right, Jill, thank you. To the conflict in the Middle East now, where Hezbollah says one of its commanders was killed in an Israeli strike. The news comes as America's top diplomat continues his tour of the region to try and de-escalate tensions. Here's CTV's Heather Wright. About one kilometer from the Israeli border, smoke was seen rising in southern Lebanon today. According to Hezbollah, a series of airstrikes killed one of its senior leaders, Wissam Al-Tawil, increasing already heightened fears of a wider regional conflict. U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken is in the region this week, trying to prevent that from happening. His next stop is Israel. I will press on the absolute imperative to do more to protect civilians and to do more to make sure that humanitarian assistance is getting into the hands of those who need it. He has a very tricky agenda here uh, in order to keep this from making... Uh, uh, a splash into a much wider conflict, while at the same time assuring each set of allies that uh, he's really on their side. Gaza's health ministry says more than 20,000 people, roughly 1% of the population, have been killed since October 7th. When Israel began its bombardment of Gaza in response to the brutal attacks carried out by Hamas. Over the weekend, Israel said it was beginning a new tactical approach in the south, where the majority of the population has fled, though it's not clear what that will look like. Today, three people were killed and more than a dozen injured following a strike in the south. With food scarce, people tried to salvage food supplies from a car damaged in the blast. It was all for daily sustenance, says Mohammed Al-Qasas. There were no missiles, they were unarmed people. 
With Israel saying it is shifting tactics in Gaza, family members of those still being held hostage are demanding the government prioritize their release. The IDF says military activity will not end until they are free. Omar. All right, Heather, thank you. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau said today his government is examining options to list Iran's Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps as a terrorist organization four years after it shot down a passenger jet taking off from Tehran with dozens of Canadians and permanent residents. Today, families of those who died in that tragedy gathered to remember. CTV's Kevin Gallagher reports. Amir Moradi. 21. Each name read aloud at this vigil is a reminder for grieving family members of justice denied. Four unbearable years have passed from a crime that, that is unprecedented in the history of aviation. 176 people on Flight 752 were killed when Iran's Revolutionary Guard shot the Ukrainian airliner out of the sky over Tehran. Most of the passengers were en route to Canada, including Moral Gurjanpour's husband, only three days after their wedding. Believe it or not, it gets harder because I miss him every day more than the day before. Iran says its two missiles were fired mistakenly over fears the plane was a hostile target while tensions were high with the United States. Today, the Prime Minister told families Canada will push Iran for accountability. We will continue our work, including continuing to look for ways to responsibly list the IRGC as a terrorist organization and explore any and all other options. Those hopeful cheers come after victims' families have asked the government to call the powerful paramilitary group a terrorist organization for years, as many say they faced intimidation and harassment from the IRGC. They smell weakness in their legislation, they're going to come in and they're going to take advantage of that. The federal government has been hesitant to list the IRGC as a terrorist group because many civilians are conscripted. While the United States already designated it one in 2019, Omar, accusing it of funding terror across the Middle East. All right, Kevin, thank you. An explosion at a Texas hotel caused significant damage and left 21 injured. Large chunks of the historic structure, including windows from two floors, were ripped off by the blast. The plume of smoke even soaring past the high-rises. Many people were trapped inside the Sandman Signature Hotel before rescuers arrived. We did extract several people from the basement that weren't able to get out on their own. It's unclear what caused the blast, but fire officials believe it was a gas leak. Coming up... And not changing or modifying the sentence I was in the process of imposing last week. A flying felon and the judge he attacked meet again. Plus, a critical setback for the first commercial moon landing. Security was considerably tighter in a Nevada courtroom today following a shocking incident. A man who attacked a Las Vegas judge last week was back in the court to face the same judge 
for sentencing in another case. Only this time, he was in shackles and flanked by a group of officers. The judge handed him up to four years in prison for attacking a person with a baseball bat last year. He lunged at the judge last week after trying to convince her he was trying to turn his life around. The latest mission to the moon could be in trouble tonight, hours after the launch this morning. Here's CTV's Heather Butts. Five. A towering new rocket. We have ignition carrying what could be the first commercial lander to touch down on the moon and liftoff of the first United Launch Alliance Vulcan rocket. Taking flight as the first lunar landing mission from the U.S. in more than 50 years. That max dynamic pressure. The crewless rocket, the Vulcan, made by private space company United Launch Alliance, hoping to soar into the commercial space industry. Separation. Taking off successfully with a robotic lunar lander on board. Built by Astrobotic, dubbed Peregrine, it's about the size of a small shed. But after separating, a problem with Peregrine's propulsion system causing critical loss of power. The company said it was assessing alternative mission profiles, suggesting a moon landing may no longer be achievable. And tonight, the first image from Peregrine in space, showing what the company says is a first visual clue pointing to the propulsion issue. Adding, nonetheless, the spacecraft's battery is now fully charged. We are performing as many operations as possible. If the mission is successful, NASA has many experiments on board. This is going to be our first chance to go back and really make those measurements that really touch the surface and see what's really there. Peregrine is also carrying ashes and DNA of 70 people, including Star Trek creator Gene Roddenberry. This is almost full circle in my mind. You know, my father created this show talking about going where no one has gone before, about a crew, about people, about humanity getting out into space and exploring. For scientists, there's a lot riding on early missions. This is kind of a big deal. It's one thing to say we're going to go to the moon, but we haven't done it in 50 years. It's quite different when you can say, oh yeah, we landed in February and we're, we're well on our way towards our mission of Artemis 3 landing on the moon. Aiming to explore the gray, dusty surface later this decade for the first time since 1972. Oh man, that's incredible. Heather Butts, CTV News, Toronto. Still ahead, shining the spotlight on knife crime. Actor Idris Elba lends his star power for a critical campaign. Actor Idris Elba is urging the British government to immediately ban machetes and so-called zombie knives to stop teen killings in the UK. I think as a parent, Whenever, any time I see a young person that's died, I think about the families, I think about, I think about the perpetrator, I think about the disruption that it, it, it offers to our entire country and it breaks my heart. The Wire star staged a symbolic protest, standing with piles of clothes that represent lives lost to knife crimes, which are increasing. Elba also released a new single calling for action. Enough is enough. How many of you have to die the sword of England? The British government announced plans to impose a ban last year, but it hasn't yet become law. Soccer fans in Germany and around the world are mourning the legend of the sport. England's captain Bobby Moore on the left with the German captain Franz Beckenbauer. Franz Beckenbauer won the World Cup for Germany both as a player and as a coach. He also captained Bayern Munich to three European titles before teaming up with fellow superstar Pele on a pro team in New York. Beckenbauer was 78 years old.
and one of the most lucrative sporting partnerships in history has ended. Tiger Woods and Nike announced today they are parting ways after nearly three decades. Woods first sported the swoosh when he turned professional as a 20-year-old and signed multiple more deals with Nike over his career, totaling reportedly more than half a billion dollars. Woods didn't explain why the relationship was being severed, but in a note called himself fortunate for the partnership and promised there will certainly be another chapter. And a maritime couple have a new story to tell after rescuing a stranded moose. And I thought I had seen something on the corner of my eye. So I told my husband, I said, I think there was a moose on the river, like on the ice. Jolene Lavoie and her husband Claude were driving past a river in rural New Brunswick when they saw the animal flat on the ice and unable to stand. Lavoie's husband was joined by two peace officers who used a strap to pull the moose onto the riverbank where it rested for a while before going on its way. After the break, golden moments, Hollywood highlights, and the big win for diversity. The Golden Globes are back in the entertainment spotlight after a series of scandals over lack of diversity and corruption allegations. CTV's Bill Fortier on the memorable moments, history-making wins, and a reminder that hosting is hard. The Golden Globe goes to... In the first round of the award season Barbenheimer battle, Oppenheimer came out on top. The historic biopic won five Golden Globes, including Best Drama. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Golden Globes. Well, I think that Oppenheimer is well on its way to dominating uh, award season. Barbie had the most nominations with nine, but took home just two. It is the best day ever. The film did pick up the new award for box office achievement. We made it for you, and we made it with love. Lily Gladstone spoke in her traditional Blackfeet language after becoming the first Indigenous person to win Best Actress in a Drama for Killers of the Flower Moon. This is for every little res kid, every little urban kid, every little native kid out there who has a dream. And Ali Wong and Stephen Yun became the first and second actors of Asian descent to win in their categories for Netflix's Beef. You started this. Still on the TV side, Succession won four Globes, including Best Drama, and Kieran Culkin won Best Actor, beating Pedro Pascal's performance from The Last of Us, shot in Alberta. So this is a nice moment. Suck it, Pedro. The Bear also showed its teeth, picking up three awards, including Best Female Actor Io Adebari, who recognized the unsung heroes. All of my agents and managers' assistants, to the people who answer my emails. Host Joe Coy took some jabs. Yo, shut up. For a performance some say fell flat. Yeah, that's a tough room. And, uh, it was a hard job, I'm not going to lie. That was Today, he blamed a lack of prep time. We just had 10 days to try and write something for this monologue. It was, it was a crash course. This was the first Golden Globe since the scandal-plagued Hollywood Foreign Press Association dissolved. According to CBS, ratings were up by about 50% over last year. Bill Fortier, CTV News, Edmonton. And that is a snapshot of this Monday for all of us at CTV National News. Thank you for watching. Good night and see you tomorrow.